Welcome to episode four of the Birds and Braves podcast. My name is Luke Winstall, and I'd like to thank you for joining me today on the 30th of July, 2017, to talk about the Atlanta Falcons and what they have done this offseason, how they're doing right now, and what's going on in training camp. On July 28th, the main takeaway from that day right at the start of camp was that Duke Riley, the rookie, was working next to Deion Jones on the Falcons' first team defense, both of them working in linebacker. The Falcons, interestingly enough, can put three guys from LSU on the field at the same time to play defense. And at one point, all three were on the same team at LSU in college. That's Jalen Collins, Duke Riley, and Deion Jones. So the Falcons have recently liked to take players in the draft out of LSU. Devin Fuller was the Atlanta Falcons' seventh-round pick in 2016 and has yet to play a snap for the Falcons. He's coming off a season-ending shoulder injury that he suffered last offseason. He performed well during the first day or two of camp and looked like he bulked up, but then he tore his ACL and he's out for the year yet again. That's two straight season-ending injuries for Devin Fuller, a guy out of UCLA that I'm very interested to see once he finally gets back from this ACL injury he just suffered. Devontae Freeman's looking for a new contract with the Atlanta Falcons. He just recently took out a $10 million insurance policy in case of injury and the event that he can't come to an agreement with the Falcons on an extension before the season starts. If Freeman were to be re-signed, it would definitely lower the chances of re-signing Tevin Coleman, his backup, after his rookie deal is up. But back to Freeman. The Falcons and Freeman are negotiating a possible five-year extension that would make him one of the NFL's highest paying backs, according to Michael Silver's Twitter account. An Atlanta Falcons blog, The Falcoholic, brought up, it's a surprise the Falcons are willing to go five years for a running back, especially one that likes contact like Freeman does, but they're not complaining about it because they bring up the point that not all five-year deals are guaranteed for five years. Personally, I would love to extend Freeman, and the deal looks like it will take Freeman through his prime and could be structured well, as The Falcoholic brought up, not all five years may be guaranteed. This contract does have a chance to be a huge win-win for both sides. Freeman gets paid, Atlanta gets a good running back they'll be set for potentially up to five years at that position. In terms of the main position battle with the Falcons, it's the right guard spot. Ben Garland has been playing right guard with the first team right now. His main challenger is Wes Schweitzer and also Sean Harlow, the rookie fourth-round pick out of Oregon State is right up there as well, contending for that right guard spot. But it looks like Garland and Schweitzer are the two that are really contending for that starting job. And right now, I believe Garland has the upper hand as he is playing with the first team. Quinn has spoken a good bit about him. And I like Ben Garland. He's my guy if I'm Dan Quinn. Just from what I've seen, Ben Garland looks to be a very good player. I think he'll be a solid right guard for Atlanta. Another interesting thing being reported out of Flowery Branch is Tevin Coleman may be getting more looks at wide receiver for Atlanta. He does have lethal speed and can get out there. He could be a really cool option to put him and Taylor Gabriel out there at the wide receiver spot. Just let them blaze down the field for Atlanta. But Coleman is a versatile player. He can definitely be a three down back if the Falcons need him to be. They're not asking him to be right now. That's Devontae Freeman's job. But Coleman can definitely do anything from a running back position. Something I like that's being reported out of Flowery Branch is Matt Ryan and Steve Sarkeesian seem to be getting along very well. They've both spoken very highly of each other, as you would expect. 
but I think it's a better relationship than Matt Ryan and Shanahan had at the start of Shanahan's tenure with Atlanta. Now moving on to the defense, which I think has the potential to be top 10 this season because the linebacking group is getting better and better. They've got the younger guys that are developing and they've got a lot of speed and the linebacker core. They're getting a better pass rush. They've drafted Takaris McKinley to help out Vic Beasley. They brought in Dontari Poe, who's got 13 career sacks, which is not a lot, but it looks like he will be able to help with the pass rushing spot. Grady Jarrett can rush the passer, had three sacks in the Super Bowl. And I like what we're getting on that defensive line in Atlanta. And the DBs are definitely top 10, arguably top 5. PFF has them ranked top 5 in the NFL, and I'll talk a little bit about that later. But Dan Quinn's installing an attack mentality on the defense. Every level really looks good on paper. But Dan Quinn wants them to turn the ball over and give the offense more chances to score, which would be great because the offense was the best in the NFL last season and giving them the ball more definitely will not hurt. Takaris McKinley, I mentioned him just a second ago, but he's reportedly feeling great about his shoulder. He had shoulder surgery earlier this offseason, and McKinley completed his drills at camp. He's doing more than some expected, but he's still limited. He's not out there going all out yet. They're still rehabbing him right now. A cool thing I saw on social media, Bleacher Report put this out there. Duke Riley filmed himself pulling a 5,500-pound SUV, and he's looked really good so far this NFL offseason. Go check out that video if you haven't seen it, but it looks like there's a bright future ahead in Atlanta. That linebacking group is fast, they're physical, and they're definitely going to be fun to watch. Dantari Poe in Atlanta, as I mentioned him, is a key piece on that defensive line. He's setting himself up for success. He's had a strong offseason, and he just hit another $125,000 weight bonus, which means... He hit his weight bonus, he hit the weight the team wanted him to, so they paid him that money that they had negotiated into his contract for hitting that weight bonus. Playing lighter should definitely benefit Poe in the coming season. He's known as a run stopper. I think being lighter could help him out as a pass rusher as well. An interesting fact from Falcons training camp is that Jack Crawford, a Falcons new defensive end signed from the Dallas Cowboys, had his first practice in Georgia and lost 11 pounds. He announced that on his Twitter and put hashtag this humidity is no joke. He started out practice at 293, ended at 282. He's listed on the Falcons roster as a 289-pound defensive end. Every year, several undrafted free agents around the NFL will come out and surprise teams. They will surprise fans and analysts. They will make the 53-man roster, and sometimes in their rookie season, they'll even get playing time, maybe due to an injury, maybe not. For the Falcons last season, that guy was Brian Poole, coming from the University of Florida, had a bit of a history with Dan Quinn, outperformed expectations in training camp all offseason long in the preseason, made the team, got on the squad, didn't just sit there, you didn't just warm the bench, ride the pine. Brian Poole got out there, he played, and he played a lot. He was a huge contributor for the Falcons. PFF, which stands for Pro Football Focus, graded him out very highly, especially for an undrafted free agent. He was the top, if not a top three, UDFA from last season. This year, the Falcons are looking around, and they signed a big class of undrafted free agents. None of them have really stood out so far to me, but there are a couple local guys that I've watched when they played at the University of Georgia. They are Quincy Mogger and Reggie Davis. Mogger is a safety. Davis is a wide receiver. Mogger has 
one of the better chances of the undrafted free agents of making the Falcons team, but that defensive back group is so stacked right now, I'm not sure there's going to be room for him. And with Davis, I think he's really just, to be honest, a camp body. I think he's pretty much got zero chance of making the 53-man roster for Atlanta. Now for some updates on the Atlanta Falcons defensive backs. I talked about Brian Poole. Now I'll talk about Robert Alford. He's been an early camp standout. Everyone's been talking about him. He's been playing really well so far. Interestingly enough, Bleacher Report did a best and worst contracts for each team article. And Alford was named the Falcons' worst contract. And their reasoning for that was they said $9.5 million a year is what they're giving him on the deal that he just signed really kind of mid-season in the 2016-17 season. And they say it's too much for a guy ranked number 34 by PFF at his position. And he's just a good player, not a great player, like that money might suggest. I'm wondering if that may be market value now for cornerbacks. I think their price is going up because with the NFL becoming a pass-happy league, you're paying your quarterbacks, your wide receivers, you're throwing the ball over 60% of the time. I think DBs are really going to get that money now. I think that's just might be the market value is you're going to have to defend that pass. You're going to have to defend in the NFC South guys like Kelvin Benjamin, Mike Evans, whoever the Saints throw out there, like Michael Thomas, Drew Brees, can throw to anybody so you're gonna have to be able to defend the pass especially in the NFC South and I think it was definitely worth that money to re-sign Alford because it keeps one of the top 10 cornerback duos in the league together which is Alford plus Trufant and it's definitely not a bad contract but I may have to agree that it may be the worst on the team just because the Falcons don't really have bad contracts on this year's squad. Moving on to the rookie, Demonte Casey. He played with the first team on Saturday when Ricardo Allen was excused for a personal reason. He played well, he got quality reps, and he is a fifth-round pick for Atlanta in the 2017 draft class. So look out for him. He's trying to make a push for a starting spot. I don't think he'll get it. I think he's pushing for the spot that Ricardo Allen currently has. And Speaking of Allen, he signed his exclusive rights tender to remain with the Falcons, and according to CBS Sports, Allen has given the Falcons a presence at free safety they haven't had since Thomas Decoud made the Pro Bowl in 2012, and he's only being paid $615,000, that's his salary, that he got with a tender, and that is very much a bargain for Atlanta, especially considering Allen is a starter. The third-year safety played the most defensive snaps on the Atlanta roster last season, and barring an injury, that could be the case again in 2017. Allen's been playing well this offseason and will look to take another step forward in his third year in Atlanta. I like him a lot. Will Casey start over him? No. Allen would have to really struggle for Casey to start. But the cool thing with DeMonte Casey, I like this a lot about him. He is an incredible ball hawk, one of the best ball hawks in the 2017 draft class and has the potential to develop into one of the best ball hawks in the NFL. Dan Quinn likes him. I think he's got the right coaching around him to become a great player, but I just don't think that will happen in 2017. I think he'll take steps forward. I think he'll get playing time. I don't think he'll start unless Allen really struggles or gets hurt. And for Keanu Neal, the Atlanta Falcons' first-round pick last season out of Florida, said the game's slowing down for him, and I think by the end of the season... He will not be like Cam Chancellor. I think he will be better. I really am high on Keanu Neal. I like him a lot. I see him entering the conversation as a top 5 to top 10 player at his position by the end of the season. I really think he could definitely make a push for a top 5 spot. Maybe he'll get looks for the Pro Bowl if he really can ball out 
in 2017. Another interesting note on Neal is that he allowed only a 72.9 passer rating from the slot, according to PFF, in 2016, which was second best in the league, behind only Brashad Breland of the Redskins. The knock on Neal coming out of college was his weakness in pass coverage, but he didn't show it last season. He's got great coaching. He's a great player, got physical tools as he is fast and extremely physical. He can always bring the hammer. And I love watching Neal. I really do think he will be one of the best players at his position by the end of the season, though. He's shown it in coverage. He's definitely a good run stopper. Everyone's scared of him because he will knock the lights out of people. And I like Neal a lot. Lastly, Desmond Trufant said, This year's team is the fastest, deepest team I have ever played for. And I would agree. I'd say this is the most talented roster in the NFL. And why is that? A lot of the best players on the roster are young and on cheap deals or rookie deals. So then that allows the Falcons to afford costly vets like Matt Ryan, Alex Mack, Julio Jones, and others. And they can still have very good players because they're still on cheap rookie contracts like Keanu Neal, Deion Jones, Tevin Coleman, Devontae Freeman, until he signs this new deal that he's trying to work on with the Falcons. Also on the defensive side, you've got Grady Jarrett, and you can add Vic Beasley, just to name a few. Those guys are incredible. You've got incredible young guys, incredible veterans. You've got good leadership, great coaching on this Falcons team. I'll just go ahead and say it. I do not think the Super Bowl hangover will happen for this team. It happens for other teams. It happens for Carolina. Carolina does not have the coaching, does not have the talent that this Falcons team has. I do not believe there will be a Super Bowl hangover. There will be, of course, a high point and a low point in the season. I don't think it will be a hangover to the point where the Falcons miss the playoffs. I think at worst, the Falcons would get a wild card spot, but that would only be if someone in their division has a breakout year, kind of like Atlanta had last season. I expect Atlanta to, at worst, be second in the division. I think first. I think the division for Atlanta and the NFC South will go Atlanta, Tampa, Carolina, and New Orleans in that order. I think that's how it will finish. New Orleans, I think, has a shot to be a solid team. I think their defense is getting there, but... Overall, they're just not quite there yet. Breeze is not getting any younger. And that's why I have them at the bottom. I have Carolina at three because I think they'll improve, but firing their general manager at this point provides a little instability on the team, especially coming into where you're having to cut players with your roster and you've got a new general manager stepping up. And with that, I just don't think they're as talented as Tampa and Atlanta are. Tampa has decent coaching, not as good as Atlanta, but definitely above average. I like their overall team that they have. They're good wide receivers, good targets for Jameis Winston. They have Mike Evans. They have Deshaun Jackson. They just picked OJ Howard in the drafts. Their offensive line should be at worst serviceable. Their offense looks good. Their defense, as we know, is being coached by Mike Smith, former Falcons head coach. Got a good linebacking group. I really like Levante David that they have. They also have Gerald McCoy at defensive tackle, so they can definitely get it done on both sides of the ball. They did beat the Falcons week one in 2016, but in 2017, I see the Falcons sweeping Tampa and maybe losing one game in the division, but I think 6-0 in the division is very possible for our Atlanta Falcons. There's a bright season ahead. Again, I really don't think much at all of that Super Bowl hangover. I don't think it will affect the Falcons. It affects other teams, but... Other teams are not like this Falcons team. They're not coached by Dan Quinn. I have a lot of faith in Quinn, by the way. And with that, I'll end the show. That'll be all for today. Thank you for tuning in. 
to the Birds and Braves podcast. I appreciate your support of the show. My name is Luke Winstall, and thank you for tuning in and supporting the podcast.